Welcome into another episode of Get Fiddles and Paradiddles. My name is Chris. I am John. Hello out there in podcast world. Hello, everyone. Uh, I feel like we're really settling into the groove now, John. Yes, we are. We're getting into the new year, settling in, finding our lane that we're in. We are uh, just going to stay in our lane, and it's quite nice in our lane. It is quite nice. It's warm. It's cozy. Warm warm and cozy. No traffic. And to all the listeners who are joining us in that lane, we we really appreciate it. Yes. Yes. Thank you for all of the... All the new subscribers, all the old subscribers, all that good stuff. Um, thanks for tuning in and continuing to tune into our podcast um, here in the new year of 2019, yeah, as they say. Crazy. Crazy. Time man. flies. Can you think about this now? 1999 was 20 years ago? God. Where does, where does life go away? It's just gone. And, and to think, the party in 1999. Yeah, it was... Because Prince, Prince said, "We're going to party. We're going to party like it's 1999, and it's we're 20 years down the road." So how man. do you party like it's 2019? That's the question. Mm, Good that's question. The question. We don't know. We don't know. We're we're gonna we're going to let uh, uh, let the party people decide that. Yes, yeah, so so. let the party people decide it. So, John, let's talk about our gigs that we had this past weekend. Yeah. One in particular, we got to share the stage together. Yes, it was quite lovely at our usual uh, little Mexican restaurant in Decula, Georgia, uh, Del Rio. Um, we got to uh, actually do a gig together, which was quite lovely. Quite lovely. Um, we, we, um, for, for you guys that haven't listened back to previous episodes, John and I get to play together um, I'd say what once a month, probably once a month, yeah. once a month. Yeah. But we used to tour together, so right. uh, whenever we can play together, it's always we awesome. try to make it happen. Yeah, yeah, and it's 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 fun times. It's uh, it's an honor to be able to share the stage with with my my best good friend Chris. Thank you, sir. Um, you know, just um, you know, did uh, also did the church gig. Oh yeah, um, doing the church thing on Sunday, which is I'm sure you did yours as oh, well. Yeah. yeah, the church thing uh, is like a staple now. Yeah, yeah, it, it it it's it's um and we're going to touch on some of this coming up in the year. We're going to talk about you know, just the different it's it's a different world. Mm-hmm. Uh, praise and worship stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. At least for me, you know, coming into it, you know, I've been <clears throat> pardon me, a member of the church that I play at for a year now. Um so it's um it's been a learning experience and we're going to kind of touch on some of that stuff in an episode later mm-hmm. later this year, but yeah, great weekend, had good gigs, church went well, Del Rio was great. Um, you know, looking forward to um getting into the meat of this topic today. Yeah, so today we're going to talk about uh something that John and I We've both had to um, kind of do this at some point in our careers is embrace technology. Yeah. Um, you know, with the way music is these days, there's a ton of technology yep. around you. Uh, laptops, even the right. way amplifiers for guitars are going, yep. electronic drums. I mean, right. There's a ton of technology. And I, th- I think that John and I are trying to dispel some of these myths. Right. You know, there's some myths right. out there. There, so. there, there are. And there's some really um, uh, bad ones, too. Mm-hmm. Just really bad ones. Um, so the first and foremost myth that I would like to um, dispel is obviously coming from the guitar player side of things. And I, I was subscribed to this too. And it has to do um, with your amplifier mm-hmm. and the notion of um, more volume equals more sound equals mm-hmm. better sound equals what you got to have. The loud is good. Loud is good, mm-hmm. if you will. And that is just not the case unless you're the gig calls for loudness. Like ACDC. Like ACDC, <laughs> you know, Mashuga, whatever, yeah, yeah, yeah. heavy, whether it be the venue mm-hmm. or the genre, right? 
loud is not your friend on stages anymore. Definitely not. Whether you're doing praise and worship music at church or mm-hmm. you're playing with uh, a local artist or you're doing uh, a jazz ensemble, whatever your whatever genre that you're playing, um, the less volume on stage, the better you're going to be. Mm-hmm. And so, so the myth of for guitar players, you got to be loud in order to sound good and to be heard. Mm-hmm. I think that's the other thing that's important too um, is the fear of not being heard. Yeah, everybody's competing. Everybody's competing yeah. for their space, but mm-hmm. see. The problem with that is it's not the volume that'll make you stick out in a mix. It's frequencies mm-hmm. um, that are going to make you stand above the other instruments in your uh, ensemble, whatever mm-hmm. it may be, trio, quintet, quartet, whatever. It's not the loudness. Um, it's about frequency ranges that you need to stick within, mm-hmm. right? Because... Drums are going to occupy a certain frequency range. Mm-hmm. Keyboards, vocalists, bass player. The guitar is a mid-range focus. That's where it sits. So you if want you, to stay in your lane. If you want, yeah. to, that's that's the lane that you want to uh, travel in as a guitarist. You don't want to be in the loud ass lane, <laughs> right? You want to be in the frequency lane, right? So no matter what volume you're at, you're going to the the listener will be able to pick out the yeah. guitar player in that mix discern what's going on thank you right. discern right. it so to me first thing that you 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 got to dispel myth wise is that loud volume is is good is going to equal good sound good, good sound tone. not the case so uh, the myth um, is really that's all it is it's a myth uh, especially now you know. 30 years, 40 years, longer than that, probably 40 years ago in the 70s when when public address systems were very primitive, uh, that's PAs, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you had to have loud amplifiers. Everything had to be loud mm-hmm. so you could be heard. Mm-hmm. Um, now that's not the case. Mm-hmm. You know, every the PA equipment, front of house gear has changed the, the, the way listeners perceive sound now because it's so good right so for vocalist if you um are extremely loud guitar player most vocalists don't like that yeah because it makes it hard for them to sing Mm -hmm. especially if they're using monitor wedges on the stage it 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 just it it creates lots of of mixing problems for your front of house engineer yeah i know we're going to get into wedging but or wedge is but i mean that i um I could definitely see where the frequency thing would be hard there. The yeah. competition of loud guitar over vocals through a wedge. Yeah. So it's and and what's changed the game for guitarists in that in that in the sense that it's made it better um, is the technology in amp and cabinet modeling. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, companies such as Kemper, uh, Axe Effects, and Line Six mm-hmm. are making. Um, products that simulate amplifier tube amplifiers some of your most sought after world famous tube amplifiers are either you're 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 able to create a digital snapshot of them in your in your DAW studio or they come preloaded from the factory settings 
of a digital snapshot of said tube amplifier cabinet. Mm-hmm. So you don't have and, and 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 the sound quality from these things are so good, especially if you're dealing with a good front of house system, a good engineer. To the layman listener, mm-hmm. they're not going to be able to tell that that's not a blackface Fender Deluxe reverb right on the stage right. It's going to just sound either good right. or bad to the listener. Yeah, I was about to say, a lot of listeners, they're not the average, like you say, mm-hmm. but just the, the, the layman the listener. The layman listener, they're going to say it either sounds good or bad. Right. They're not going to be able to get very specific. No. You know, whereas musicians, we, you know, we, of course, we put a lot of time and effort into mm-hmm. the details. That's for us. That's for us. Yeah. Exactly. It's yeah. for us. It's not for, and that's part of, of, of developing your seasoning as a, as a professional musician is, is knowing who you're playing for and who you're playing to, mm-hmm. right? You're playing for the song and you're playing to the audience, right? You're not playing for yourself and your own, you know, to get your own rocks and jollies off. You can do that. Well, you shouldn't be, <laughs> you shouldn't be, you know, if that's what you want to do, then, then, you know, more power to you. But, um, the point is, is that the technology that these companies are bringing to the table is so good and so accurate. It is, Almost, it's getting to the point to where I would say it's about 50 50. I'll go on a gig, I'll see half of the players using traditional amplifier speaker cabinets slash combo amps, mm-hmm. and then the other half are using some sort of modeling technology, whether it be a Line 6 Helix, an HX Stomp, a Kemper, uh, Axe Effects, uh, a Levin Rack. Um, just because of the sheer fact of workflow it's it's easy to get in and out of gigs and your front of house engineer will love you yeah because that's one less problem they have to deal with when they're mixing mm-hmm. everybody into a into their overall mix yeah you know it, it it the technology wasn't as good as it was i would say 8 years ago just a mere 8 years ago the technology has has gotten to the point to where it is to me, you know, obviously I can tell the difference, but not enough to where I'm going to bring my amps out anymore. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean it's, it's that close. It's that close. Um, and I think that says a lot to guitar players. You know, like guitar players, you know, me playing as long as I have with you, I know that having a reference, like you want to be able to reference what your amp is doing, you know, what... You want to be able to reference what the speakers are doing, you know, how the feedback is interacting oh, yeah. with the room and all these yeah. kind of things. So yeah. that definitely speaks a lot to the technology for you yes, to say, does. I don't need a cabinet anymore. Yeah, and, and I was super ignorant to opening myself up to it until I actually heard it in action mm. and heard, you know, touring acts using said products that I mentioned. And I'm just like, man, I can't tell the freaking difference out here. Mm-hmm. I mean, it sounds like a cranked up Marshall. And yeah. Like, yeah, my cabinet is, or my amp model is a cranked up Marshall. I was like, well, damn, that's exactly <laughs> what it sounds like. That's pretty cool. So, um, you know, uh, seeing is believing, but with, with music, hearing is believing. You got to hear it. Mm-hmm. And once I finally heard it in live action, I was a believer. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just, it makes everybody's job easier when you don't have to compete volume wise um if you're a guitar player that does bgvs that's background vocals 
it is super important to take a drink to be able to hear yourself singing. Yeah. And if you've got a loud-ass guitar amp that's just beating you down, mm-hmm. your vocal performance is going to suffer. Which is exhausting. It is. It, 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 it wore my voice out. Mm-hmm. It wore my voice out. When we were on tour mm-hmm. uh, with the artists we were playing with, mm-hmm. um, I can still feel it to this day. Wow. Um, me having to compete with my loud-ass rig. Mm. And I wish I would have, you know, made made some changes. And we're going to kind of discuss some of the things that I did, uh, that some more myths that we'll dispel as we kind of uh, go further on down the embracing technology road. But technology is your friend. It definitely, really is now. Definitely. Especially um, in the, yeah, in the times we live in now, you know, Ten years ago, maybe not so much. Maybe but not man, so much. These last five years, it's been incredible. Yeah, and, and and the other thing that that has changed the game for me and a lot of guitar players is, you know, uh, playing with tracks live, mm-hmm. um, being able to be familiar with when somebody says, "Hey, we're gonna create a playlist or a set list in Ableton." Like you got to know the language and know mm-hmm. some of this stuff. Yeah. Um, and when you first encounter click tracks, backing tracks, it's scary as hell. Yeah. I mean, I, I can remember when I first saw Ableton, just looking at Ableton, just mm-hmm. fire it up. It is the com- most confusing it thing. It is. Because it's, mean, it's, it's so flat. It's like Sanskrit almost. Yeah. It, it's, it's, a, you know, it's, it's designed to be like a flat UI, right. like a user mm-hmm. interface. And mm-hmm. it looks great. Once you start using it and you know what's oh, going boy. on, it's perfect it's, that, it, it's that it's super, flat. super easy, yeah. But, you know, programs like Logic uh-huh. or Pro Tools right. or um, even something as simple as maybe Audacity, you know, right. like those. Hell, even GarageBand. Yeah, GarageBand. You, there's certain things that you can see that have like shadows and colors right. and like this is, this does that. And it, there's a lot of visual cues to it. Mm-hmm. But Ableton is not quite that way at yeah. first glance. Right. So I would, you know, we've talked about how, you know, Ableton's very useful. It is. Especially in live situations now where there's backing tracks and clicks uh-huh. and, you know, guides and all these kind of things. And um, I think the myth with any program on stage is that, you know, it's a hindrance to the person that's trying to use it or having to run it because right. maybe they've not taken the time to, to learn it. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's confusing and it's, you know, this thing that's like, what do I do here? Right. You know, that's, right. that's a scary thing. When I first encountered Ableton, it was having to learn the program and yeah. I, I've, I've, run into a lot of players that are not just scared of, um, you know, running a program, learning a new program and operating it. Cause normally drummers are doing that. Right. Um, it's the, the click aspect. Mm -hmm. So that click aspect, um, is a big thing. So imagine you get to a gig or you, you find out that the artist you're about to play with is going to be using Ableton and you've never practiced with a click. Oh boy. As a guitar player, as a drummer or wherever, you know, you've not, you've now, you've not, practice with a click so not only are you super nervous of that right but now you've also been shouldered with this responsibility to learn this program now playing what i'm sorry to interject mm-hmm. now playing with a click track is different than playing with a metronome correct yes it is very different i think in a way practicing with a metronome helps not only develop your time which is its main yep. main thing super important super important um but you it, it helps you internalize time yes right but yes. playing with a click track versus a metronome 
a click track is meant to be a guide mm. for the entire band, mm-hmm. not a guide for one individual player. Right. So or, a click track is to say, stay in time with me right. because there's probably vocal backing tracks right. that have to come in at a certain point Correct. or percussion backing tracks Correct. that have to come in at a certain point. So we see a click track as a guide mm. for the band that is generated by said software. I just wanted to make sure that we get a distinction on really, those I'm, two. I'm because, really glad you did that. Um, guitar players, I practice with a metronome just about all the time Mm -hmm. you know and when I first got into a a band that was using tracks playing with playing to a click track is completely different than playing to a metronome it is it is not the same I my ego told me otherwise I'm like man I I can play to a freaking (laughs) click track play to a metronome all the time Mm -hmm. done no. Show me the stage. Yeah. No, not the case. De- definitely take some adjustment, take some getting used to, if you will. Um, mm-hmm. You know, once you do it a couple of times, it's it's pretty much like riding a bike. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You just mm-hmm. kind of you you, you kind of get accustomed to where that click's going to be, mm-hmm. and depending on what you're trying to do, um, how you're trying to attack the song rhythmically. Mm-hmm. Is depend is going to determine if you're burying it mm-hmm. or if you're slightly behind it for funk reasons, what mm-hmm. have you, right? right? Right. To kind of circle back around, and I know I'm guilty of this too. Is like if I get a new, especially with Ableton, any kind of new software, any kind of new technology, is I kind of get just enough information to kind of get me going. Yeah. It's like okay, I'm good. I've got it. Yeah. But with Ableton, you can't do that, man. Like you've got to carve out, you've got to, you've got to put some hours in to really uh, utilize right. the full capability of that DAW. Right. Correct. I mean, would you agree yeah, with that? I, right? I totally it's, agree it's, with it's, that. So I would say that carving out time to learn it would mm-hmm. be the responsibility of the person that has to operate and program it. Right. So I've been in some situations where. Uh, especially church mm-hmm. where, you know, we're not the programmers of Ableton, no. but we do have to operate them operate as, as the drummers. Mm-hmm. I have heard of, I've not been in these situations where whoever was the musical director of right. either the gig or the church, yeah. they're the person that operated yeah, they're that. They're the, the, the main dude for that. Right. So you would be, you know, if you are listening to Ableton and, mm-hmm. you, and you're the person that's in the band who's being guided by Ableton, that's different than the guy that has to learn the software. Oh, yeah. So I would say this message we're bringing here is, is kind of more specifically tailored to the person that's maybe shouldered with the responsibility of operating Ableton and potentially programming Ableton. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and, so I guess the message is, is don't be discouraged. Yeah, definitely. But don't be lazy. Right. I mean, I, I, I probably put in about six months worth of work, not only researching the program, Uh but then operating the program to where I got to where I was just building my own, um, you know, whether it be worship mornings like Uh a church or even taking pop songs, right? Dropping a pop song in there and setting up guides, setting Mm -hmm. up clicks, those kind of things. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Even if it's just like a mock set list of, of songs you're putting together to mm -hmm. get yourself familiar with the formatting, right? How to, how to, you know, uh, put your BPMs. Yeah, your BPMs. And, and know, also, like, like even like the outs and stuff where people would be like, hey, I need this sent to, you know, number two or number right. three. This goes right. to front of house. Routing. This goes, the, all the routing stuff, mm-hmm. that's another whole element. Um, so, yeah, don't be 
don't be worried, you know, as you open up programs or maybe be shouldered with the, the responsibility of doing this, mm-hmm. that, you know, this, what's great about doing this is now for me, now that I've learned a DAW like Ableton, it extends to all these other DAWs. It does. You know, it does. I mean, it, they, a lot, a lot of it is, is a, is, is uniformed across, mm-hmm. across each, each platform. Right. Um, to kind of extrapolate that down the line of li- into the live playing mm-hmm. is a huge part of the, um, the the ability to play with tracks mm-hmm. is being on a good monitoring system. Yeah, I mean, an in ear monitoring system is you know is, you got to have that. It's it's in ears for mm-hmm. the most part. Everybody's on an in ear mm-hmm. system. Mm-hmm. Um, acronym IEM in ear monitoring. <laughs> Um, so that whole, uh, universe Mm -hmm. is something that was very new to me. Um, I strictly came from floor wedges on the stage. Yeah. Uh, If I, if I'm, if I'm correct, you may be able to correct me on this, but I think you and I were introduced to inner monitors at the same time. Yes, we were. Yeah. Yeah. So the the tour thing that John and I did, we went and we had our ears molded and everything together. So that was me and him coming from wedges, you know, like we yeah. only did wedges. Mm-hmm. So doing the inner thing is, is interesting because you're, you, you no longer can hear the room anymore. You can't hear the room. You can't feel the nuances of the individual player in the band. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a, it's, it's almost like being reborn and mm-hmm. having to relearn everything. Right. Because so much of my playing was based on those elements of feeling those elements mm-hmm. and, and anticipating those elements, mm-hmm. if you will. Mm-hmm. And when you're on a click track and you're playing with backing tracks, everything is on a grid. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Everything is gridded out. There's no, I don't know if devoid is the right word, but you're devoid of that, that spontaneity. Mm-hmm. It, 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 let's say if you're on a jazz gig, you know, that's mm-hmm. all you're doing is improv. Right. But, you know, the, the, being on that grid, playing to backing tracks, because everybody has to be on a click, because if your backing tracks are off, and it's just a train wreck. So mm-hmm. getting used to having those things in your ear and being able to monitor the band through that is a, it, it, it's a necessary evil, mm-hmm. but it's not always the best solution, mm-hmm. you know, um, it, Especially for guitar players. I was about to say, I can remember when John and I first got into these these in ears. Is that John would normally wear just one of them? Yeah, like, I would. I would pop one in and pop one out, and um, that's horrible for your ears. Don't do that. If you're if you're going to wear them, wear them both or none at all. Mm-hmm. What was happening to me is I was having to crank my body, my receiver pack, so loud to compensate for what my in-ear monitor was giving me versus the stage volume right. because we we're a freaking rock band. Loud, you know, we yeah. were, we were, we were loud, you yeah. know, we had amps on stage and mm-hmm. you know, it was, you know, which I, I like, I preferred it, you yeah. know, it's good. Yeah. So I would pop one ear in and one ear out and I would crank my pack up. So by the end of the night we'd get done playing and the ear that I had my in-ear monitor in would be ringing for three straight days mm. because I had the volume jacked up so loud and, and, and these things are molded to the inside of your ear canal. So yeah. you're like inches yeah. away from your eardrum well, millimeters. Yeah. You know, millimeters. Close, yeah, yeah. You know, so that is terrible 
for your ears. Mm-hmm. And, and literally, I did this for about a month. Mm-hmm. And I, I, we were, I probably told you we were in a hotel room, and like literally, it was so bad. My ears were ringing so bad. Like I couldn't, I couldn't be in a quiet room because it would just hurt my head because that's all I would hear. Mm-hmm. And I said, man, I can't, this, I can't, I'm going to ruin my freaking ear. Mm-hmm. So I forced myself to play with both of them in. We had a front of house engineer that was on the road with us. So I got him to make a few adjustments uh, to fatten up my, my mix mm-hmm. um, to compensate for some of the things that I got from a room mix, you know, the feeling the air moves, stuff like that. Did some tweaking and I left both of my ears, both my inner monitors in. It took me literally two weeks worth of shows just to adjust to the just feel. Just to adjust to the feel. Mm-hmm. But once I did, I'm glad I did because it has saved my ears, mm-hmm. you know, tremendously. And, it, you know, there, there's stuff you're going to lose wearing an in-ear monitor. You're not going to feel that air pushing. Mm-hmm. You're not going to get the uh, that interplay with the other instruments on stage mm-hmm. in real time because right. there's going to be, you know, there's only so much frequency that can come through sm- two small holes in an, in, an, in an in-ear monitor. Well, to double back to one of the points you made at the beginning – Inner, one of the things that in your monitors do great mm-hmm. is we were talking about frequencies mm-hmm. is that you really can hear yourself well. So, you know, if you're playing over a vocalist part mm-hmm. or drums, if I'm playing, you know, playing too much kick drum and not locking up well with a bass player, like these kind of things with inner monitors, you can hear and you can analyze those things down to like the tiniest nuance. So, um, I would encourage anyone that has any kind of myth or th- something that they've they've heard on YouTube or seen about in-ear monitors is to definitely give them a chance. But right. It is an adjustment period. Yeah. It, you know, and, and a lot of these companies, you can go in and you can put them in your ear and listen to them. That's not going to do you a lick of good. Like, mm-hmm. you're going to have to get out on a live gig, Yep. get a mix in your ear, and do a show with them to really put it through the paces because it is, it, it is an adjustment. Mm-hmm. It is a huge adjustment. Um. Some of the pros are your singing. It is, oh my God, it's so much easier to sing on an in-ear monitor. Mm. It's it's better for your voice uh, to be on in-ears because you're not having to strain as much for notes because you can hear yourself so well. Mm-hmm. You can finesse your vocals, which is, that's what you want to do with vocals. Yeah. Unless you're, you know, singing some honky-tonk blues and you just got to project. But if you're singing BGVs, Mm -hmm. it's finesse, it's control. Mm -hmm. You know, you got to be in that that finesse and control of the pitch. Um, And when you're got a good set of in-ear monitors, I mean, it's it's, it's huge, man. Huge. It's it's big time huge. Definitely. I mean, in-ear monitors make all the difference. And what, you know, John and I are really trying to get to with you guys is to, you know, embrace the technology that's out there because it makes a huge difference. It does. And it's a necessary evil. Um, I would tell everybody um, to go and purchase a set of uh, in-ear monitors Mm -hmm. there. You can get uh, Sure makes a good, inexpensive, uh, I believe they're the 215s or 225, Mm -hmm. two two somethings, two two series. Two series, yeah. A hundred bucks. Mm Mm-hmm. Those would be perfect. Um, and, and and you're ready to go because um, more times than not, if you go into a church praise and worship situation, you're going to be on an inner monitor. Mm-hmm. Um, or if you're playing with an artist, um, an up-and-comer who's got a little bit of 
a little bit of their stuff together, more than likely they're going to be on an inner monitor yeah. system. Because they're well. going to have, you know, the way, especially with pop or country music, which country music pretty much is kind of the, the same kind of pop production. Yes. Yeah. Um, they're going to have tracks, you know, yep. they've, they've made that album like layered up. So mm-hmm. in order to, you know, replicate that in a live situation, there's a lot of tracks there. So you're probably going to be on a pro tools, Ableton type system, which yep. means you got to go to inner monitors. Right. And then you need, you need to be prepared for it. So, yeah, for sure. um, you know, there's lots of, we'll put some links in the bio section of the webpage, uh, or whatever section it's called. I just default to that word because that's what everybody else says. But, you know, as far as, uh, Ableton stuff, um, we'll put up maybe some links to, uh, the inner company we use JH audio, um, who make a fine, fine inner monitor. Yeah. Mine are still going strong. Um, yeah. As are mine. Um, you know, um, so you can look into if you wanted to, you know, um, invest in, in a good quality, Definitely. um, um, inner monitor, uh, JH audio might be a good product for you to get into. For sure. Well, John, I think that's a good segue for us to go into our picks of the week. Picks of the week. What do we have? Like, we're going to do our little music. Perfect. I, I love, love it, that. Man. I love that. You know, I, I'm, you know I, I like to riff. Chris. I wanted I'm a to. I wanted to program some stuff, but I feel like we're so well versed. I, I mean, dude, every week I'll have a new beat, new jingle for you. It's Perfect. it's all it's all in the noggin. It's less work for me. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, kick, kick us off, man. What you got this week? So um, this week, uh, what do you know? I'm going with another Line Six product. Uh, these guys need <laughs> to give me a sponsorship. When, when it's good, it's good. Oh my god. Um, so my couple picks of the week ago, I uh, picked the HX Stomp um, from Line 6. This week, I'm going to pick the HX Effects. Um, it is on my hit list. I have it on my radar. Um, basically, it's a multi-effects unit, and it has modeled and simulated just about every sought-after boutique effects pedal that you can think of it's in the unit um it's 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 meant to replace your big huge pedal boards which i own one Mm -hmm. it's meant to be the mothership it's meant to replace all of that stuff it can do all of your effects processing Mm -hmm. um i believe it has i want to say it has two of their proprietary dsp chips in there so you're able to have multiple multiple effects on at one time Mm -hmm. you can also route your favorite analog stomp boxes into the unit like if you have some effects pedals that you just can't live without they're your go-to sounds boss ds1 the ds1 (laughs) yeah or the dod grunge which i i'm a fan of yes um you can actually patch them into the hx effects they have effects sends and returns so you can control um those um, analog effects through the HS, HX effects. So you can set up presets. Uh, you know, if you've got a delay, or excuse me, if you've got an overdrive and a boost and an EQ pedal that you want to uh, plug into the HX effects, you can do that and control them independently. It's super, super cool. That's awesome. Um, and it's uh, the price point on these things, I think they're like five or 600 bucks. But for what you get, I mean, it it literally can replace everything on your current live pedal board. It's amazing. That's Line huge. 6 HX effects. Go check it out. 
Cool. That thing sounds like it's got it's glorious. Everything you need. I want one. <laughs> um, well, something uh, for my pick is is going to be um, around a drumstick that I've been using for a while. And yes. This, this this drumstick that's coming out excites me. So I've been you know as a drummer, I think you know all, drummers try every drumstick out they there. They do. God. And working in a music store, that was a sickness. Yeah. I probably bought four pairs of drumsticks every week. Yeah. Um, what I come to find out is that not only do the, the, the length of the sticks and the shoulder and mm-hmm. the taper and the mm-hmm. tip and all these things mm-hmm. matter, but what the stick is made of mm. and how it's made mm. matters a little more. Yeah. Um, and what I, what I come to find out is uh, my hands don't really sweat much right. when I play. Right. And it's almost to a point to where even sticks that have, like take your standard Promark or your standard Vic Firth, mm-hmm. they have some lacquering to them. Right. But after you play for maybe a couple hours with mm-hmm. them, it wears off. Yeah. And for a guy that doesn't have sweaty hands, it becomes kind of a, a thing where I feel like I'm squeezing the stick yeah. harder than yeah. I want to. Mm-hmm. So about four years ago, mm-hmm. maybe maybe five, mm-hmm. I started playing sticks that have a lacquered finish, okay. which is great. Because, I mean, lacquer, as you know, is kind of tacky. Yep. You know, it's kind of sticky. Sticky. And even as your hand warms up, even if it doesn't sweat, because as you're playing drums, you know, your heart's beating. Right. You know, your body sweats or right. your body warms up. Right. Um, so as it warms up, it feels feels as if it gets tackier. It doesn't right. as an illusion, but it mm-hmm. feels like it does. Mm-hmm. So I started playing the Vic Firth uh, Keith Carlock stick mm-hmm. and um, even started playing some of the options that Zildjian makes uh, that have like lacquer to them. Right. And one of the original drum companies that did this was Regal Tip, which yeah. Regal Tip's not talked about much these days, yeah. but they're still in business. Yeah. And they're known for that lacquered that, that, stick. That lacquered stick. Yeah. Okay. Um, so one thing, so my pick is, is the new Vic Firth uh, sticks called the Double Glaze. Mm. And what they've done is taken the idea of the Keith Carlock stick okay. and applied that coating to their common sizes like 5A, 5B, 6A, whatever. Stuff like that. Right. So those are, those are great for a player like me who doesn't yeah, have sweaty absolutely. hands. I can see that for sure. Very but what's cool. cool is on the flip side, for guys that do have sweaty hands, mm-hmm. they've got an option called Pure Grit. So what this is is the opposite of right. any lacquer. Right. It's devoid of lacquer. Right. So what will happen? Raw wood. Just raw wood. So it's my understanding. I've never experienced it, but as you have sweaty hands, a stick that has no lacquer will absorb that stuff mm. and become tacky, mm. which is super awesome. So mm-hmm. it's like um, you know both sides of the spectrum. Right. So really looking forward to trying out the double well, glaze sticks. That's pretty and, cool. So for all you guys out there, if you sweat. In yeah. your hands, yeah, get some of the pure grit. Pure man. grit, yeah, that's awesome. Very cool, man. Yeah. Very cool. Very, very cool stuff. Well, guys, I think that's going to wrap it up for us uh, today. Um, we're excited for a new year here with uh, the podcast. Yes, and, we're just and, getting started. Got a yeah. lot of big, big things coming up in the in the new year. Uh, On site interviews. Um, going to do. Uh, do some some big things we got planned yeah, for you. Definitely. Stay tuned for Stay sure. Stay tuned, guys. We appreciate all the support, and uh, we're going to get out of here this week. And we are out. <laughs>